0: Kings chapter 6. You know, God every once in a while does something that I I don't always understand. Um, I I like to argue with God for one thing, which is you would think you would learn, but I just do. But as I was pulling together this morning's sermon and, and this evening's sermon, I, I I didn't I really didn't want to preach this one on the back of the one I preached this morning because they, they kind of almost go hand in hand, but out of two totally different books of the Bible. And <clears throat> we have been following the life of Elijah and Elisha on Sunday nights. And uh, obviously, Sunday mornings, we've been going through the book of Esther. So the timing of this is not my timing. <clears throat> the, the timing of this is God's. Uh, you can't blame me, okay? Um, so if you think, if you're, if this morning, you, if you were here this morning and you think, wait a minute, I heard some of this this morning. Well, blame God, don't blame me, okay? Uh, now, I, I take, I, as I, as I, as I contemplated and thought, I was out in the desert yesterday, and I, <clears throat> I went out in the desert and went for a, a two and a half mile hike in the desert and did a lot of talking to God. And one of the things we talked about was tonight's service, and, and. I came away with this with this thought. There is either someone here this morning that needs a double dose, okay? <laughs> yeah, or there is someone here tonight that wasn't here this morning that needs the message. Does that make sense? <clears throat> so, uh, again don't don't blame me and and think that I'm in a rut because it, it just but the the older I get and the longer yes sir there you go there you go there you go <clears throat> but the older I get, especially the longer that I pastor the more and more I am convinced that God is in control. The the older I get, the more I realize how much God is in control. But I don't know if you struggle with the same thing that I struggle. Is I know I know that. Well, before I say that, how many of you would agree with that statement? Okay, hopefully everybody raises their hand. Okay, God is in control. The problem is, at least for me, is I don't usually live like he's in control. I live like I am in control. Think about this. is, Is God still in the saving business? He is. Is God still in the changing life business? A- absolutely here's a here's a, here's the, these these next two you need to be very careful how you answer them is god still holy yes he is is god still righteous yes he is but because he's Still holy, and because he's still righteous, he does not tolerate sin. Now, is he patient with us? Absolutely, but he does not and cannot tolerate sin because he is still holy and he is still righteous. God is alive and well. And he, he is active in our lives today. Elijah was the kind of guy that did everything uh, in a big way, if, if you would. Uh, you know what, what did he do? He, he prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then and then and he prayed again, and what happened? I mean, it, it just gully was, in the south. We call them gully washers, and and then and then and then what was the next big thing? Uh, uh, it was Mount Carmel, right? Calling down fire from heaven, you know. I mean, Elijah didn't do anything small. Elijah did everything. In a, I mean, how did he, how did he go to heaven? In a fiery chariot. I mean, he couldn't just like disappear, you know? I mean, (laughs) he, he, it just, Elijah had to learn something critically important. Now, before I go any further, was Elijah a man of God? Absolutely, he was. But what lesson did God have to teach Elijah? He had to teach him that God speaks in a still, small voice. See, when you get somebody uh, like Elijah, who is a an A-type personality, what does God have to do to an A-type personality periodically? They just rein him in and get his attention. In 1 Kings chapter 19, <clears throat> a passage that is very, very familiar to us, uh, verses 11 and 12, and he, and he said, Go forth... And stand upon the mountain, uh, the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by in a, uh, uh, a, and a great and strong wind rent the mountain and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after that, an earthquake. and But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, what happened? Still small voice. See, <clears throat> A-type personality people, i.e. Uh, Elijah here, God has to reign them in and 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 get, get their attention if you would. Now Elisha, on the other hand, was just the opposite. Elisha was the still small voice. You never really see Elisha doing the over-the-top miracles. Now he did miracles and he... There are actually more miracles recorded for Elisha than than for Elijah. And he did miracles, but he didn't do it in the flamboyant way that Elijah did it. I was reading a, a commentator, and and the commentator made an interesting comparison, if you would, between Elijah and John the Baptist. They were both very a- type personalities. they were the they were the ones crying in the wilderness, if you would. And then who followed each of them? Elisha and Jesus, both humble, compassionate men. Elijah and John the Baptist both prepared the way for their successors in ministry. and I, I don't know if if scripturally there's a there's a, 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 a comparison. I just thought it was an interesting comparison because the personality types were very, very similar. But the truth between all four men is this. Without conviction in the heart, there is no true repentance. Let, let, let me say that again because it is absolutely critically important. I, I remember when our kids were were little, and we we're trying to raise our children. And those of you that are parents will know exactly what I mean by this. Uh, you know, Timmy would uh, Timmy, don't tell him I said that. Uh, Tim <laughs> Tim <laughs> Tim scratched that off the recording. Uh, uh, Tim would pull Ashley's hair or do something, and and and, and you, you know you, you know what you know what I'm going. Tim, say you're sorry. I'm sorry. Now, now, really, honestly, is he sorry? Not, not, a, not a bit. Not a bit. How, how many of you parents feel my pain? Okay. It's just part of life. Yeah. See, we can say we're sorry, but both John the Baptist and Elijah, both in their preaching of repentance, uh, stressed the need of conviction for true repentance. Does that make sense? Uh, in, in Mark chapter 1, verses 2, two through 4, it says, uh, As it is written in, in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Uh, the voice uh, of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preach uh, the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins what would, what was john john's main mission was to to preach repentance true conviction of the heart for the remission of sin see we can we can get caught if you would and not be repentant is that not true The title of my message this evening is God reveals the invisible. God reveals the invisible. 2 Kings chapter 6. Let's start reading in verse 8. <clears throat> then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servant saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God, i.e. Elijah, sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou uh, pass not uh, such a place, for uh, thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God had told him and warned him and saved himself there not once nor twice, but multiple times, multiple times this happened. Therefore the heart of the the king of Syria was sore troubled uh, for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, uh, Will ye not show me uh, which of us is uh, the king of Israel's? And one of his servants said, None, my Lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bread chamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is, and uh, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan, therefore. Uh, sent he thither horses and chariots and, uh, and a great host, uh, and they came by uh, uh, night and compassed the city about. And when the servant uh, uh, when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold uh, and host compassed the city both with horses and chariots and he wa- and, and his servant said unto him, alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that are with us are more than they that be with them. Let me just stop right there and say, <clears throat> We have nothing to fear as believers. We have nothing to fear but fear itself. And Elisha prayed and and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down uh, to Elisha, uh, uh, and and when they uh, came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with uh, blindness and he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said unto them, This is not uh, the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to this man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. And it came to pass, uh, when they were come to Samaria, that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men. And they... Uh, that they may see, and the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw and behold, uh, they were in the midst of Samaria. Now what 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 was Samaria? Hello, it was the capital of Israel of of the northern tribes. So it's the capital city, the city, yeah, the city of Samaria was the capital city. And the king of Israel said unto Elijah, when he saw them, my father, shall I, uh, uh, my father, uh, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Uh, wouldst not uh, thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive uh, with thy sword and with thy bow? Set bread and water before them, and, they, that, and that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And he prepared a uh, great provision for them. Uh, and when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went their way. So the band of Syria came no more to the land of Israel. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so very much for this day. Thank you for your love. And I want to thank you for the word of God that can change hearts. Help us, dear God, this day to walk with you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I love this story. I, I love, the, I love the, the spirit of this story. Here we have Elisha <clears throat> uh, on, the, on the edge of being captured, if you would. And, and he, his servant goes out and he sees all this, this huge army surrounding him. And Elisha's like, Ooh, no big deal. What is the purpose of this story? Uh, and, and this is critical whenever we're reading Scripture to understand the purpose of the story. Is the purpose of this story to show the power of Elisha? No. Okay. Uh, is, is, it, is it to show the weakness of the king of Syria or the the, the Syrian army? I don't believe it is. Is it it to show the weakness of the king of Israel? I don't believe it is. I believe that the purpose of the story that we just read is to show both nations, Syria and Israel, that there is a God in heaven that is in control. Because both nations, both the, the, the northern ten tribes of Israel, and Syria both worshipped idol gods. They they both worshipped dead gods that had no ability to do what the God of heaven could do. My first point is, is this, the omnipotent and omniscient God that we serve. The omnipotent and omniscient God. Verses eight to fourteen talks about the the fact that that Elisha knew what the king said in his bedchambers. Now, who could do that? Could Baal do that? No. See, it was it was such a such an impactful uh, uh, thing for this king of Syria. He thought he had a traitor in his cabinet. He thought that somebody was selling secrets to the Israelites. And what is amazing to me is, no no sooner did the king accuse one of his cabinet members of being a traitor, someone he stepped up and said, "Uh, Sir, it's not us, it's God. The God of Israel, blame him. He's the one telling Elisha, what you're talking about with your wife, with you know, he he's the one. Now, I I may be simplistic in my thinking, but <clears throat> do you not think that that would scare the king of Syria? That the God of Heaven was revealing the innermost secrets of this king's heart? To a man named Elisha, Ben-Hadad, the king knew immediately that 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 Baal was not the source of the of the of the uh, uh, leak, if you would. Psalm chapter one. Fifteen verses four to seven says their their idols uh, are, are silver and gold uh, and works of man's hands and have mouths but they speak not eyes have they but they see not they have ears but they hear not noses have they but they smell not they have hands but they uh, but they handle not feet have they. Uh, but they walk not, Uh, neither speak they uh, through their throats. Do you realize that we have a God that is holy and righteous and hates sin? Do you realize that? I dare say many of us don't get it because if we truly understood that and we truly believed it, we would all live differently. We would all be telling everybody we meet about Jesus Christ because there is a God in heaven that wants to save their souls. God only knows the actions of men, but he knows the thoughts of their hearts. In Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the good and evil. Jeremiah 10, 17, 10, I, the Lord, search the heart, I try the reins, uh, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his goings. Think about this. If God would reveal the battle plans to Elijah, what that the king uh, Ben Hadad was planning on doing to Israel, do you not think that God would reveal to Elijah that Ben Hadad was coming to get him? I, you know. Now the one the thing I love about about Elisha, he just waited. God, I I don't know. We're not told. I'm just assuming God, but God had to have told him because when the servant came in all panicked. What did Elijah say? No big deal. No big deal. After. The servant looked out, he saw the foot soldiers, the, the cavalry, the, the charioteers. The king of Syria must have been pretty impressed and pretty scared of Elisha. Think think about this. He, he basically, for all intents and purposes, I and mean, he wasn't, but for all intents, the way we would consider it, he was basically a pastor, living in a small house in the country. And the King of Assyria was so scared of this little man of God that he sent an army after him. Think about that. How much power do you have with God? How scared are, are the, uh, the the the, the, the uh, how scared is the, the 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 world of the power that you possess in God? What does your power look like? This man Elijah was a man who walked with God. Number two, we see the mighty hand of God in verses 15 to 17. i love i love let's read verses 15 to 17 uh and and when the servant of of the man of god uh, was risen early and gone forth behold the host compassed the city both with the horses and chariots and 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 his servants said unto him or his servant said unto him alas master how shall we do or what are what are we going to do elisha we are surrounded And he answered, Fear not, for they that are with us are more than they that be with them. Let me tell you, believer, fear not. Walk with God. Fear not. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this... Excuse me, I, I'm in the wrong verse, verse 17. Uh, and Elisha prayed and said, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots and fire, uh, 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 chariots of fire round about Elijah. Do you think the servant was scared anymore? I don't believe he was. Pro- probably a little astounded, but you know what? he wasn't scared anymore. at, at least it, the way I read it, the way I understand it. How often do we let the things of this world intimidate us? See, the servant made one mistake. what what What, what was the one mistake that the servant made? Okay, well, doubt would definitely be a big part of it, but but it goes a little bit deeper than that. what was what was the servant looking at? he was he was looking at the problem. He wasn't looking at God. And so often in our lives, we do the exact same thing. We forget that we serve an almighty God we forget that we serve a God that is in control. And we allow the circumstances of life to to dictate to us how we will act. I want to say something here that I hope you understand what I'm about to say because it's important you get a hold of this. The safest place for you for your children for your grandchildren is in the middle of god's will see if elijah elisha excuse me if elisha had been concerned about his personal safety he would have literally been putting himself in danger would he not but because he stayed and he put his trust in God and the will of God, his circumstances didn't matter. I know I know missionaries that are in countries that <clears throat> it's illegal for them to be in those countries. But I'm here to tell you, if that is the will of God for their lives, they are safer in China, in whatever country they're in, than if they were to come home and live in America. They are safer there in the will of God than in the United States out of the will of God. Way too often we make choices based on what we think would be the safest route to go. Instead of going to the Almighty God, saying, "God, what do you want for my life?" Years ago, a man named Monroe Parker—he's hes dead now. He—he—he he, he died in 1994, but he was a very well-known evangelist uh, that used to travel all over the place. But he was traveling through South Alabama on on a very hot, uh, sultry Alabama day. If you've ever been in Alabama, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, boy, when it's hot in Alabama, buddy, it's hot. But anyway, he stopped in uh, at a at a watermelon stand to pick up pick up a watermelon, and the proprietor uh, he asked the proprietor how much it would be. He said it's a dollar ten. And Parker dug in his pocket, and all he could find was a, was a dollar bill. He said. <clears throat> He told the guy, he says, "This is all I've got. All I've got's a dollar." And he, he said, "That's okay." The proprietor says, "I'll trust you for it." Well, that might that <clears throat> that that might uh, uh, be nice. Uh, uh, excuse me. Parker responded, "That's very nice," and he picked up the watermelon and started to leave. And the proprietor says, "Hey, wait! Where are you going?" And and the, and and he turned around and uh, he he looked at the proprietor and he says, well, you you just said you would trust me that I'd be good for it. And he says, yeah, I would. I was going to trust you for the ten cents, not the whole thing. This was Parker's reply, and and boy, listen to this. You weren't going to trust me at all says, you were going to make a 10 cents gamble that I'm a man of integrity. And I read this story a while back, and I thought, you know, at first I thought, wow, that's kind of an odd story. But then I started thinking about it. And, and, and honestly, is that not how we treat God? We, w- we want to trust God with, with the 10 cents of our lives, not the dollar 10. We say, we say, God, I, my life is yours. Do with, you, with my life as you will. But we, we, we hold back the dollar and we give him 10 cents of our life. Now, th- the reality is the proprietor either trusted him or he didn't trust him. That's, that, that's the, the nuts and bolts of it. And the reality is this. You are either going to trust God with all of your life or you're going to play games with God all of your life. And the servant in this story was so consumed with the circumstances of life that the army that he could see with his eyes, he forgot that he served an almighty God that is in control of everything. Elijah wasn't troubled. Because he knew the God that he served. I don't know what's going on in some of your lives tonight. I I don't know. But I can tell you this. There's somebody here tonight that needs to trust God more. There's somebody here tonight that, that... God has been trying to get a hold of you and you're you're rebelling and you're running and God is saying enough already. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 27 By faith he being Moses forsook Israel not fearing the wrath of the king for he endured as seeing him that is invisible. This is an incredible verse on faith. Moses forsook forsook Egypt, didn't worry about the wrath of the king. Why? Because he saw him who was invisible. He understood the God of heaven was in control of his life. Psalm chapter 34, verses 7 and 8. And the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and deliver them. Oh, trust and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that, that that trusteth in him. You know, we read these two verses. Can you, Chris, can you go back to verse 7? <clears throat> we read this verse and we think, yes, God is in control. But what is, what is the, the principle behind this verse? The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. See, the protection is available to those that fear Him. See, the protection doesn't come until we fear. In other words, the blessings of God don't come in our lives until we surrender. See, we all want the blessings of God in our lives, do we not? Every one of us wants God to bless our lives. But God says, "You know what? I'll bless your lives when you surrender your life." Not the 10 cents, but the whole dollar 10. Number 3. We've seen the the uh, uh, omnipotent omniscient God, the, uh, the the mighty hand of God. In verses 18 to 23, we see the God of mercy. And please get a hold of this. We, we talked about it some this morning. God is not a vengeful God. Elijah could have asked God to utterly destroy the Syrian army. And, and I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, had, God, had, had Elisha walked out and said, okay, God, sick him. What do you think would have happened? The army would have been done. But Elijah restrained. Let's go back to Elijah for a minute. Do do you remember a similar story uh, with Elijah? I mean, it was several months ago we talked about it, but do you remember a similar story? Uh, A a captain of 50 came to Elijah and says, hey, the king wants to talk to you. And what did Elijah do? Anybody? Nobody remembers? Yeah, he killed all, all 51 of them. Gone. That was Elijah. Okay, because they came disrespectfully. Okay, And so the king, the king hears about it and he's like, he, he gets another captain of 50 and he says, okay, now you go get him and bring him back. So the second one goes. What, and, and what did Elijah do? Pew! And then the third one came. And he started begging for his life. Oh, please, sir, don't kill us. We're just here, you know, we're doing what the king, th- please, could you please come with us? Okay, I'll come. See, that was a light And, and I, I don't know, obviously, I have no idea, but I believe had a light and in this particular situation, that's what would have happened. I, I don't know. 2 Kings chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 says, Behold, there came a fire down from heaven and burned up uh, the two captains on, uh, of, the, of, the, uh, of the former 50s uh, with their 50s. Uh, therefore, let my life now be precious. And I say, this is the third captain crying and saying, please, 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 you've killed 100 people so far. Don't do it. Don't do it. And the angel of the Lord said unto Elijah, Go down now with him, and be not afraid. And he arose and went down with him unto the king. Again, I want to go back to the point of the story that we read here in 2 Kings 6. What is the point here? The point isn't to have Elisha flex his spiritual muscles. The point here isn't to... Show weakness on either side. It is to demonstrate the power of Almighty God in the lives of two countries. Two countries that were idol worshipers. Let me ask you a question. Why does God work in your life? Does He does God work in your life to show you how weak you are? No. Does God work in the life of Grace Baptist Church to prove to us how anemic we are as individuals? No. He does it to show that He is in control, that He is a sovereign God that knows what's best for you and for me. Second Chronicles chapter 10, verse 1 excuse me, 2nd Corinthians. <clears throat> yeah, it couldn't be Chronicles because it starts off by saying, Now I, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> now I, Paul, myself, beseech you <clears throat> by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in present <clears throat> in presence am base among you, but being absent and, and bold toward you. Here we see Paul identify two characteristics of Christ, meekness and gentleness. Meekness. What is meekness? In in our society today, this is a very misunderstood word. In our our society today, meekness is is weakness, but that is anything but true. Jesus was not a little wimpy guy that, that just kind of, you know, that, that is not Jesus. Jesus was a man's man. But he was meek. And the word meek here, has, it gives the idea of an inner strength that <clears throat> is patient and that, that is willing to endure things very difficult, that is the, what the word meek is, and the word gentle here it has more to do with humility and steadfastness than anything else. See, we serve a we serve a God that is meek and gentle. And 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 in, in this story, Elijah uh, prayed for the servants' eyes to be open, but then shortly after, he prayed to close the eyes of his enemies. Why again? not to do anything but to demonstrate the fact that he serves an almighty God that is in control. Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 25, verses 21 and 22, If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. And what did Elijah do here? Elijah could have taken their lives, but he says, you know what, God, let's, let's just blind them. We'll take them to the capital city, turn them over to the king, and let the king feed them. Now, how embarrassing do you think that was for the, for the army of Syria? I, I, I think many of them probably wished that they had died in battle incredibly shameful for a, a, a soldier in that period of time to end up having to be fed by the opposing armies see even the king wanted to kill him but elisha told him no 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 just you you give him bread and water you feed him god knows what they needed the very last sentence in verse 23 says so the band of Syria came no more unto the land of Israel until the next verse <laughs> we'll get into that next week Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 verses 27 and 28 but I say unto you of which here, love your enemies do good to them that hate you Bless them that curse you, and pray for them, that despitefully use you. He also said in Matthew chapter five, verses thirty-nine to forty-one. But I say unto you, that ye uh, resist not evil. Ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. What is the principle that Jesus is trying to teach us here? Now, does he literally mean if somebody walks up and pokes you in the face, say, okay, hey, do it again. Is he literally saying that? Hello? No. No, okay. Thank you. <laughs> what is the principle that he's trying to teach us here? Well, let me let me try and explain it to you. The, the key is in the very last phrase. Let, let, let me read it again so you understand. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. In the Roman Empire, the law said that if a Roman soldier was going from point A to point B, they didn't have transit systems back then. They had to walk everywhere. And they had to carry their own equipment and, and their own personal products and all that, all of that stuff. So the, the Roman law said that if a Roman soldier stops a citizen, that that citizen had no choice but to carry the soldier's equipment and everything for one mile. And after that mile, they could set it down and they were done and they could move on. And then they could could grab someone else and say, okay, you pick it up and you carry it. But what is Jesus teaching here? Go two miles. Now, again, who is Jesus talking to in Matthew? Jews. He's talking to Jews. How did the Jews feel about the romans they hated them with all kind of hatred they they absolutely despise them so what is the principle jesus is trying to teach us even though we have people in our lives that we do not like we have to we have to what is what is the story here of Elijah? You know, the, the, the funny thing about mercy is this. We all want everybody and God to exercise mercy to us. Do we not? Do, do we not? Hello? Speak to me. Okay. We want everybody to forgive us when we do stupid things. Is that is that not, not, not true? But how good are we at dishing out mercy? Not, not near as good. See, we get we get people all the time, and 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 you you think you think you got it bad. Try being a pastor sometime, because I got to live up to everybody's expectations. See, we all want mercy exercised toward toward us but it's a hard thing to to exercise toward others. The picture here, I believe, that Elisha is trying to picture picture here is the fact of of one of mercy. God's power was demonstrated hands down. There are times in our lives that war is necessary. Uh, unfortunately, we we live in a we live in a wicked world. And and there are there are times and there there will be times where war is necessary. But there are also times when mercy needs to be exercised. the omnipotent, omniscient God. See, he still saves. He still is in the business of changing lives. Praise the Lord. He is still holy and he's still righteous. But he will deal with sin. Because he's holy and because he's righteous, sin will always be dealt with. This morning we talked very in-depth about that. But let's talk about mercy for a minute. His mercy is what drove Him to the cross. His mercy is what causes Him to forgive your sin and mine. I'm here to tell you, God hates sin. God hates sin. And this morning again, we talked about it, and He will reveal it. But He is an all-powerful, all-knowing, God that is still holy and righteous. Praise God, He's also merciful. And He's patient, and He's kind, and He's loving. The mighty hand of God. Elijah's servant didn't see it. So often we don't either. We get so consumed with what's going on around us. We lose fact that God is in control. And He wants us to look to Him. And not to our own selves. He wants us to give the dollar 10 and not the 10 cents of our lives how about we as a as a as a church as as individuals stop giving god our second best and start giving god our best let's pray